Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. Damn, I'm all over the place today. All the changes are all... They're all screwing with me. I forgot to turn the cameras on. I forgot to hit the applause button. You hit stop to record. Yeah, you guys didn't even... uh, Don't even get to see that one um, before we started, and I couldn't get the audio recording because I hit the stop button three times instead of record. (laughs) So this is Whiskey and Wonder where I just... Screwed all up all the time. <laughs> That's all right. We both struggle along on yes, the struggle bus. Yes, we do. We, we, we get there, though. <laughs> we do. Somehow, some um, way. All four tires are flat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Tyler. I'm Megan. And this is Whiskey and Wonder, where we, we whiskey and we wonder. Um, yeah. I mean, we whiskey and we wonder. Good yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the reason I'm all discombobulated and all jacked up is because I did some heck of a cleaning in this office. You guys can't see it. We hide the mess off screen <laughs> if you're on YouTube. Uh, I do a very good job of that, but this desk has been a disaster for weeks now. What? Damn. You're right. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Low key. Sorry. No, that's fine. Anyway, you're, it's the truth. Um, but anyway, I got... My computer was being an asshole today and not wanting to record. It's been doing it off and on all week, so I had to clean it. And in cleaning it, I decided to move it off of the carpet and onto the desk, which meant I had to make a bunch of room, and I had to... I just got into a cleaning mode, so... I mean, it probably shouldn't be on the carpet anyway when you have a dog that sheds like your dog does. True, but, so. you know, room, storage, and whatnot, but... Anyway, I've made it work now. So I'm discombobulated, guys. That's all right. Um, If you are checking us out on YouTube, which I would recommend everybody do this week, every single person, go to YouTube, check us out, whiskeyandwonder.com. You see that I still have my beard. (laughs) Let me talk to you about this for one brief moment. I'll drag this screen over here so I can see it. Those of you guys who are just tuning in, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Tyler agreed that he would shave his beard off and have a mustache once we got to a certain number of uh, listens, unique listens. I have. I did. And I have not yet because we have not got there. How many away are we? One more week. Uh, We are 16 listens away. So it's probably going to happen this week, which means I need to book an appointment with a barber to get this shaved because God knows if I tried to do this, I would make it look terrible. (laughs) But I think I'm going to rock the old waxed handlebar mustache, the old overly manly, (laughs) manly, overly manly mustache. Yeah. All right. I can... My beard is really good and long. I can get a good curl going. Oh, are you going to curl it? Oh, yeah. Of course, with mustache wax. Okay. I'm looking forward to seeing this. I am excited. Maybe I'll get a bowler hat, too. Oh, adorable. But anyway, yeah, I'm I'm not looking forward to this. You are, but I'm not. I am. I look terrible with a mustache. We're going to see. I don't think I've ever Mm -mm. seen your chin. I haven't been clean shaven since 2017. And ironically, that was the only time in my life I shaved a mustache. I had nothing but a mustache and said never again. 
<laughs> you want to know what the lesson is in that, kids? Never, never say never. Say never. No, <laughs> oh, poor Tyler. Anyway, we're going to move on from the beard shaving and jump into our little social media thing that we always do. You know, mm-hmm. check us out on Instagram at Whiskey and Wonder. No. Nope. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> check us out uh, at Whiskey Podcast. It's all in the show notes. If I get it wrong, it's in the show notes. It's on the screen. If you check us out on YouTube, find us. Whiskey and Wonder is our channel name. Um, you were also on Patreon at patreon.com slash whiskey and wonder. What else am I missing here? Whiskey and wonder.com. Yeah, the There's, big one. Yep, that's a very big one. By the way, speaking of whiskey and wonder.com. Yes. You want to tell them? All right. So it is very important that all of you guys listening. Log on to Whiskey and Wonder this week on the very front page, right under the About Us section, there is a poll. We put that poll up because we want to know if you want us to add another segment to our podcast. We're going to call it, if it does happen, the open segment. And it's basically going to be a conversational type uh, free running segment. Um kind of like what My Favorite Murder does before every episode. Um, We are thinking about maybe putting it at the end of the episode rather than the beginning. We aren't quite sure yet. Um, But we we, want to know what you think. Do you want us to do something like that? So go to whiskeyandwonder.com and please let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Please. Um, Megan was actually sitting here right before we started. She just told a really funny story of something that happened this week um, that stuff like that would go and I would tell the story of how my day has been absolutely insane between cleaning and fighting this computer and it's my day to research. So I had to research during all this while my computer was crashing. So, you know, I could just talk. Just fun yeah. conversations Whatever's about been our going week. On, What's I going could tell on you how I lost life. my favorite disc off disc yesterday <laughs> and managed to get it back today and, <laughs> you know, just stuff like that. Whatever you're interested in. Or whatever's been going on in our lives, not necessarily what you're interested in. If you're yeah. interested in something and want to talk about it, mail us, email Please, us. Please, email us. Uh, contact. You can find us, contact at whiskeyandwonder.com. That's on the screen on YouTube. It'll be in the show notes. We also have personalized emails at whiskeyandwonder.com as well. The, again, screen, show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are still looking for guests and guest drinkers. I think we've got one, maybe two people that are interested in joining. Um. So if you are interested in joining, reach out, please. Absolutely. We would love to have you on. And we are, as we mentioned last week, we're kind of putting the merchandise on the back burner. We still have got the tumblers. We've still got stickers. Um, Matter of fact, this is what the sticker looks like. If you haven't seen it, I haven't shown it in a while. It's our bottle logo, and it does stick to cars, and it is just the cutout of the bottle. Um, but we're going to put the merchandise on the back burner for a little bit and try to focus on upping our listens, getting the brand out, blah, 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 you know, blah, yep. blah, blah, blah. So yep. we're looking for advertisement opportunities. If you have a, you know, voice or a lot of followers or something and want to advertise us and, you know, we'd be willing to pay, to, you know, depending on how much you're asking and mm-hmm. what we can afford. So. And yeah. How much of a voice you have. Yeah. So shoot us an email, let us know. We'd be excited to 
get that rolling. Yeah. And if people don't have, don't start sending in mail time, mailbag, we're going to start reading those emails too. <laughs> Not really, but, you know, please send us some emails. Please. And finally, before we jump too far into whiskey or wonder, thank you all for the donations, for the support you give us. Um, yes. Another donation was made this week, and we greatly appreciate it. It's donations and stuff that make us we can we can look for advertising opportunities we can go out and spend a hundred dollars on whiskey and not feel too you know i don't feel too hurt in my budget about it so yeah you know it's nice you guys make this podcast happen you really do and we couldn't do it a lot so thank you guys so much take a round of applause And I believe on that note, we're just going to go right on. All right. Opening the bottle. Today, we are drinking Buffalo Trace, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Let me just jump in for one second and say, we've had several recommendations for this whiskey. Mm-hmm. I personally have been heard of it for years now and never tried it. And I just found out earlier, Megan's never heard of it. Nope. So we're on polar opposite ends. I'm very excited for this, and Megan's very... Eh. Okay. I try it. I don't know. So, uh, this is from the Buffalo Trace website. In Kentucky, Buffalo carved a pathway that was followed by America's early pioneers. On the spot where the Buffalo migration route crossed the Kentucky River... We've been making legendary bourbon whiskey for over 200 years. Buffalo Trace is the oldest continuously operating distillery in America. During Prohibition, the distillery was even permitted to remain operational to make whiskey for medicinal purposes. In tribute to the mighty buffalo and the rugged, independent spirit of the pioneers who followed them westward, we created Buffalo Trace Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Within the past decade, Buffalo Trace has won more awards than any other distillery in the world, including an unmatched seven Distillery of the Year titles. Still American family-owned and located in Franklin County, Kentucky, the distillery's rich history includes such legendary distillers as E.H. Taylor, E.H. Taylor Jr., George T. Stagg, Albert B. Blanton, Orville Shupp, and Elmer T. Lee. The distillery sprawls impressive over 130 acres and is home to four centuries of architecture, all still fully operational. That was some heck of heck of a name, an Elmer and Orville, and what was, what was there was like another weird one in there. Uh, what else did they have in there? Um, Elmer, Orville, Albert. Yeah, Albert's kind of weird. Mm, and then George and E.H. Yeah, Albert was the one I was thinking of. So when I opened this bottle, I got a whiff, and it smelled heavenly. Now that I'm actually smelling it, it smells nothing like what I was, <laughs> what I got when I opened the bottle. So I don't know what I smelled when I opened the bottle. Okay, well, I just got a smell of something as I picked up my Glenlivet. Uh, Glen, Glenlivet. This is not a Glenlivet glass. Glenclaren. Thank you. 
Then live it to scotch. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, Which we want to try soon. We've tried some. We have the 15. I have the 15. We got it from That's Glenn right. Angie. Uh, yeah, you're right. Glenn Livet. I was thinking Glenn. Glenn Fittich. Glenn Phil. Fiddle. Glenn Flit. How, damn, how do you say that <laughs> word? Glenn Filch. Is that what you're trying to say? I don't know what you're trying to say. Glenn Fittich. That's what I'm trying to say. Glenn Fittich. All right. That's that's what I was thinking in my head. But yeah, you're right. Um, I've been sniffing this and the overwhelming note to me I, I I was caught off guard because like I said I caught a caught a um certain sweet aroma yeah. when I opened the bottle but I it's not sweet at all smelling it smells like dill uh maybe a smidge of sweet and I was overwhelmed at how um you sure yeah I got a tinge of sweet like a very 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 subtle sweet at one point I'm not getting it I'm right getting now. a lot of sweet. I'm getting orange and vanilla. Yeah, I get the vanilla. That's what I'm I got. I'm not getting any dill. Um oh, there I is, get that dill is like the overwhelming flavor for me. Orange is overwhelming for me. I'm not getting any dill. Um there is some burn your nose hair a little bit in there, but I don't get any any orange. I get dill. I don't know how you're not getting orange. I don't know how you're getting dill, because uh, I'm getting straight orange. Orange vanilla creamsicle type smell. Well, I could say the opposite. I'm getting dill and no orange. I don't know how you're getting orange and I'm getting <laughs> dill. Um well, interesting. I mean, let me let me swirl this bad boy a little bit more. Try not to spill it everywhere. Swish, 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 swish. And nope, it's orange. Don't know what to tell you, bro. It's super orange. Like I can't. In fact, the orange is so overpowering, it's hard to pinpoint anything other than orange and vanilla. Like, I think this is going to be super, super sweet once we do actually taste it. Oh, I got dill when I, I okay, okay. I set it down. I left it alone. I talked a little bit, like 30 seconds, whatever. Picked it back up. Didn't swish it. Smelled it. Got a little bit of dill. So, I got vanilla strongly when I did the same thing, but so... <laughs> on on the video for anybody that's watching and I highly recommend you watch because this is the, probably going to be the last one with my beard in it Good you saw me go and smell my hands <laughs> there's a reason for that literally about 10 minutes before we recorded I wolfed down a sandwich and some Quest potato chips that were like Cool Ranch flavor and so i was smelling my hand to make sure that wasn't what i was smelling when i said dill because i was swirling with this hand and that was the hand i ate the potato chips with okay if i swirl it i lose the dill but if i don't swirl it i get the dill so i don't know how that's happening i don't know why that's happening i don't know why you and i are so different yeah i've, um, I've pretty much got dill vanilla and burn your nose hairs weird because you're also wrong uh, the nose okay. is supposed to be caramel, honey, orange, and vanilla. The nose balances these flavors while also providing an underlying layer of oak and mint. No dill anywhere. So I smell dill. I don't know. I'm sticking to it too. I'm not. I smell like that was when I stuck this up to my nose. That was what I smelled. Okay. Was, you do have a mutant dill plant. Maybe you're just smelling your dill plant from all the way in here. 
No, that's three rooms away. I think it's staying in there. It's... I actually cut a lot of it back, too. Feed me, Seymour. Do you know what that's from? A movie. <gasps> a movie, he says. I couldn't tell you which movie. My dad says that all the time, though. You're on par with my dad, which I guess is all right, because I'm on par with your dad. <laughs> we get along. We hit it off pretty well, so... Yeah. Okay, well... Tyler. Oh, I just got orange. Ta-da! Ta-da I just let da-da-da. it sit there. I don't know why it's doing the opposite for us. I taste a little bit on my finger. Oh, she's cheating. She's cheating. You're <laughs> supposed to tell us what we're tasting. Or... Wait, you told us what we're I we told you what we're supposed to, to yeah, smell. Yeah, I guess I'm supposed to taste it. Anyway, yeah, you should be that. tasting. I got I got sidetracked. I got spinning it really. I was having a lot of fun spinning it, and a little bit got on my finger. So the little tiny, tiny, tiny bit I tasted on my finger tasted really good. Uh, I don't know what it's going to actually taste like, though, once I try it. Um, All right. (laughs) I have tasted. I have tried. I have. uh, Hard to put in words. The the burn was intense. It was was like a candle that burned bright, but it didn't burn long. Yeah. At the end. Yeah, like just a. A flare, flashbang type. Yeah, kind of burn, which, hmm. and it wasn't overpowering. It, it might have been like, if 50%'s like the, my comfort zone with a burn, it might have been like 55, 60%, just a smidge higher than I personally would like it. But not much, not bad. Uh, on the front, the first, uh, on the front, the first thing I noticed was sweetness. I didn't really notice a mid, but I only took the one sip. I, I'm really enjoying the front and the mid. Not super into the finish. The finish is a very woody, oaky, rye type finish for me. Um, yeah. Very, very naturey. Yeah, it is. Um, it is very naturey. Definitely oaky. Yeah. Um, but that the initial taste is very sweet. Um, I don't even. I'm the mid. the The front end and the mid are going so fast that I don't know. I, I like I said, I get the initial taste of sweet. And one thing that I've noticed, and I don't, I mean, this has been sitting in on this table for since I got it the other day. It's cold. It is cold when it hits my tongue. It feels chilled. It did say the smell was supposed to be mint. Maybe that. Maybe you're. Maybe that's we're what getting I'm getting some with mint. The, the some, mint. Yeah, like because it legitimately feels like a little chill. It feels like it's. I I'd agree with chilled, that, yeah. and I think it is. I think it's that mint, almost like a listerine type mint. Not that you should drink that, but it definitely it makes your mouth cool when you go. Yeah, the, that and initial, that's, Yeah, and that's the burn. The burn is minty. It's mm-hmm. not spice. It's mm-hmm. minty. I'm still not, I guess mint would be the mid then, that because I'm not really getting yeah. anything else for the middle end other than oaky at the end. So my front is very sweet. It's like a vanilla, yep. sugar, candy, caramel type front. Yep. The mid, that's where most of the burn is, and that's where the mint. I would say that is a very like pepper, minty, winter mint mm-hmm. type. Peppermint's a good descriptor of that. And then the final is woodsy, oaky, naturey. Yeah. I'm so. having a little bit. The burn is like, 
like I said earlier, if 50% is like my comfort it in the mid, it's like 55, 60, and then it rapidly drops down, but it hovers at like 10 for a while. Yeah. And like, you know, it's still there. Yeah. But it's not, it's barely there. So. Yeah, I feel you. I feel no you. I get that. dill and Mm-mm. no orange. Mm-mm. Nope. Interesting. <laughs> the one flavor we were fighting over. Hmm. But yeah, overall, I'm I don't I like the way this is this is a journey. It is a I was <laughs> just about to say this is like a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Um very, very different flavor profiles on every every step of the way. So I'm I'm super into the so far tasting experience of this. Um, I look forward to sipping on this as you're presenting. I just kind of swished it around a little bit and mm-hmm. got a little bit of uh, a little bit more sweetness, maybe a honey honeysuckle. Okay, in there. Um, so the palate is sweet with notes of brown sugar, vanilla, and toffee, um, and then light amounts of oak and rye spice. The finish is a moderate length of oak. Um, and mint ends up filling your nostrils. Yeah. So. I, I hadn't really thought about it. My my nose is not the best, obviously. <laughs> but um Yeah, I wouldn't say the mint in your nose is overpowering, though. You, no. No, but I I really I like that there's that chill there. Normally yeah. when I drink whiskey, you like get warmed up from it. This is like a this is like a summertime whiskey. This is something that I'm not getting warm from it. I'm actually kind of cold. And I'm really? in your nice. My nice REI jacket. Yeah. Quarter zip. Yeah. Interesting. That I bought it in the middle of summer and haven't got to wear yet. Megan's the first person that's wearing it. It's because you keep your house at like 60 degrees. It is actually 70 degrees. Thank you. It's cold. Negative. <laughs> I came in here the other day, not to get too far off topic, but I came in here and it was 80 degrees. That sounds that. amazing. I almost died. I was oh legitimately God. angry walking through the house toward my thermostat. Like, why have oh, you set this at I 80? Like, oh, yes. 80 degrees. Like I, I, I legitimately it. have it on a schedule. And apparently when I am away from home, it ignores my schedule <laughs> and sets itself to its power-saving temperature, which is 80. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I want it to be 70 goddamn degrees when I get home. <laughs> All anyway. Right. Okay. In rant. Let's move on. It's time for the Wonder Segment. All right. All right. This week, it's your week, Tyler. It is. Now... As I said earlier, um, I've had a heck of a day. And as I'm sure any of our longtime listeners know, Sundays are my days that I research and put together all this stuff. So We also record Sundays. We do. So fighting my computer all day and cleaning and having one errand to do. I managed to crank out about four and a half pages worth of research, which is pretty spot on to... What I normally have. I usually have anywhere from four to six. Okay. So I kind of 
fell back onto a topic that we've touched on and brought up before, but we've never actually covered. Okay. And you, you'll enjoy it, I know. Anyway, today I'm going to teach you about Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis and the Black Sox scandal. Yes. You I've, said you were leaving this one for me. Yes, so I I've been waiting for this one. So today we're going to learn about one of America's finest judges and how he ties into the worst corruption scandal and in America's in America's pastime. And I want to preface or I want to asterisk this by saying I don't know if this is America's past America's pastime's worst cheating scandal after the Astros cheating scandal. You think the Astros were worse than the Black Sox? I do. Okay. I mean that I happened like They were like... using technology. Oh, that's true. That was an outside source. Anyway, Real quick, what, real quick, don't get into it. What did the Astros do? It happened in what, 2018, 2019? It was recent. I think it was the 2015 or 2016 season. Was it that long ago? I think so. It was the year they won the World Series. Basically, they had someone in the, uh, in the clubhouse watching a live feed of the game, not the one that's seven seconds behind, like your TV broadcast. And, they were relaying whenever an off-speed pitch was coming to the batter by smashing a trash can. Or they would relay a sign to somebody in the dugout and they would smash a trash can. There was also a person out in the outfield seats that had, I guess, binoculars or some way to see the catcher and then they would relay it to the bullpen catcher who would stand on the bullpen with his arms up if it was a fat, like say it was going to be a fastball, that was a sign. He would stand with his arms up if it was a fastball and stand with his arms down if it was anything off speed. So they 2017. were 2017. 2017, 2018 season. Yeah, it was the season they won the World Series. And if you look at the splits between their home and away games, they were garbage on the road and they were amazing at home. Mm. So mm. that's what happened with the Astros. Okay. So. If you've listened to our John D. Rockefeller episode, which is episode 11, you may recognize that name, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, because I know we've touched on him and we've touched, we've talked about the Black Sox scandal in the past. We haven't really explained either Mm -mm. other than just that brief nugget in the Rockefeller episode. But today I'm going to tie, tie it all together as best I can. And I think I'm going to start by giving the backgrounds on both parties involved, and I'm going to start with old Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis, which is a fucking mouthful to say, by the way. Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis. So KML was born in Millville, Ohio. Yes, I'm calling him KML. Uh, he was born on November 20th, 1866, to Abraham Hawk Landis and Mary Cumler Landis. The two were originally unable to agree on a name for their sixth child, and so they decided to name him after the Battle of Kennesaw Mountain, where Abraham had been wounded while fighting for the Union during the Civil War. If that ain't some redneck shit. At least he was fighting for the Union. You say to somebody who had ancestors who fought for the Confederacy. Not sorry. Not that I'm proud of that. I'm just saying. Not sorry at all. Yeah, it 
you know, is what it is. Um, so Kennesaw Mountain Landis was born. Interestingly, at that time, there were two spellings of the word Kennesaw, one with two N's and one with another one with only one N. Over time, the word evolved to only have the spelling with two N's. However, Landis's name was only spelled with one. Just a little fun fact there before anybody tells me I spelled it wrong. So Papa Landis was a country doctor, but his injury from the Civil War forced him to limit his practice, so he moved the family to a farm in Indiana in 1874. KML was soon responsible for 13 acres of farmland, which would later state he wasn't particularly fond of farm work and hated getting up at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, I don't like going to bed until 3.30 in the morning, so I can't imagine getting up then. No, thank you. Let me get on a side story here. Oh, God. <laughs> for a brief moment. It's it's brief. I text Megan quite often. Mm. I have a 9 to 5, and I tend to text her usually 9, 10 in the morning. <laughs> it drives me insane. Even on weekends and other days, I won't get a reply until like 12, 1 o'clock, and I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? I'm are sleeping. You, are you just waking up? Now, I know you have insomnia and whatnot, so I I try not to judge too much, but I definitely judge a little bit. Ouch. Must be nice to sleep that long, but I know you have insomnia that makes it, makes you sleep. Makes it hard. Weird, so. Yep. But yeah, I don't reply right away because I'm typically knocked out. I know. So. I That's why I just let it ride. If you need me, you can call me. I'll wake up to my phone ringing. Um... So, old Kennesaw, uh, he would, he left school when he was 15 to work at a general store because he couldn't master algebra. Shortly thereafter, he went to work as an errand boy for the Vandalia Railroad, and when he later applied for the position of brakeman, he was literally laughed out of the office and told he was too small. Rude. Different time. After bouncing around from several jobs, finally by 1883, KML found himself a job as an official court reporter after teaching himself how to shorthand report. He would later go on to say, I may not have been much of a judge nor a baseball official, but I do pride myself on having been a real shorthand reporter. It was around this time that Landis was becoming a local athlete as well. He was a prize-winning bicycle racer and also played and managed a local baseball team. And he was apparently good enough to even be offered a professional contract for the for baseball. But he turned it down because he only wanted to play for the love of the game. It wasn't until 1886 that Landis had his first venture into politics where he helped his friend, Republican Charles F. Griffin, to win the Indiana Secretary of State. Griffin rewarded Landis with a job in the Indiana Department of State while working. Oh, I just ran through that period. Griffin rewarded Landis with a job in the Indiana Department of State. While working this job, Landis decided he would apply to become a lawyer. Now, obviously, 1886, the lawyer, the requirements to become a lawyer, not quite as tough as they are today. You want to know what the requirements were in Indiana in 1886? Considering he didn't finish school? It's a little bit ridiculous. 
The applicant only needed to prove that he was 21 years old and of good moral character. How do you prove that? I'm a good man. If you if you walked out of this room, I wouldn't steal nothing of yours. <laughs> I don't know, something like that. Wow. So, wow. KML opened his practice in Marion, Indiana. But soon he realized nobody's going to pay him to be their lawyer if he didn't know the law. So he enrolled at the, yes, I don't know if there's any affiliation here, but the YMCA School of Law in Cincinnati in 1889. I don't know if that's related to the YMCA gym. I don't know if that's related to the song YMCA by the village people. Who knows? Megan whipped out her phone, so she's going to know. In 1890, he transferred to Union School of Law, where he completed his law degree and was admitted to the Illinois Bar. Shortly thereafter, KML set up his own practice in Chicago, became an assistant, and became an assistant instructor at Union. The practice was opened with his college friend Frank O. Loudon, and these two tried very, very hard to impress their clients, going so far as to purchase a secondhand law library, which ended up driving them into debt. Not long after this, Landis was hired as the personal secretary to Judge Walter Q. Gresham, who had been recently appointed Secretary of State by President Grover Cleveland. He's moving on up. Landis had appeared before Judge Gresham in court and Gresham had taken a liking to Landis, saying Landis had something on the ball. Sounds like a really 1800s <laughs> saying, but, you know, I think it means he's on the ball. He's, he's, he's got something. Uh, got something going, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, real quick, from what I can gather in my quick 30-second Google screen, Google search is that the YMCA did offer law school classes. I have that song stuck in my head now. You're welcome. But yeah, so apparently back in the day, uh, you could go to the YMCA and become a lawyer. Young man. Shelby, that's for you. (laughs) Uh, While in Washington, Landis worked hard for Gresham. He made Many members made many friends in the members of the press, um, but he frustrated many senior members of the State Department who thought he was very brash. Word got out about President Cleveland's Hawaiian policy, and the president was certain that the link had come from the leak had come from Landis, and he and demanded that he be fired. However, Gresham vehemently defended Landis. Gresham flat out told Cleveland that he would have to fire both of them, and that caused Cleveland to back off. Finally came out that Landis was not the source of the leak, and President Cleveland and Landis eventually became very good friends. And when Gresham died in 1895, Cleveland offered Landis the position of U.S. ambassador to Venezuela. But Landis refused and returned to Chicago to his law practice. Shortly after this, he married his wife, 
Winifred Reed in 1895, and they had two surviving children, Reed and Suzanne. They had a third child, but she died almost immediately after being born. Over time, Landis's Chicago practice began doing well, and that allowed him to foray back into politics. In 1904, he served as campaign manager for his friend and partner Loudon's bid for Illinois' governor in 1904. But Loudon didn't win. A seat on the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Illinois became vacant, and President Theodore Roosevelt offered it to Loudon, but he refused and recommended Landis. Roosevelt chose to nominate him. Roosevelt stated he wanted, quote, a tough judge and a man sympathetic with my viewpoint. Oh, I'm sorry, Roosevelt didn't say that. that was from Roosevelt's biographer. Roosevelt wanted a tough judge and a man sympathetic with his viewpoint in that important court. Roosevelt essentially wanted someone who was just like him, progressively left, but still in the Republican Party. Landis's courtroom was room number 627 in the Chicago Federal Building. The room was large, and it featured murals of King John conceding the Magna Carta and of Moses smashing the tablets that held the Ten Commandments. It also featured mahogany and marble chambers. Quote, Frankie. Yeah, quote, just the spot for Landis's sense of the theatrical, end quote. That was according to... Uh, Landis biographer David Petruza, I think is how you would pronounce it, Petruza. The Chicago Herald-American wrote of Landis, the judge was always headline news. He was a great showman, theatrical in appearance, with a sharp jaw and shock of white hair, and people always crowded into his courtroom knowing there would be something going on. There were a few dull moments. So, Let's hear a little bit about how Judge Landis ruled. He once said to an elderly defendant who told him he wouldn't live to complete a five-year sentence, well, you can try, can't you? Oh, God. He also once told a witness, now let's stop fooling around and tell exactly what did happen without reciting your life's history. Another time... A young man was waiting to be sentenced for stealing jewels from a parcel with his wife and newborn daughter standing by. Uh, I'm sorry, I, there's a comma I missed. He was waiting uh, to be sentenced for stealing jewels from a parcel with his wife and newborn daughter standing nearby in the courtroom. After a pause, Landis ordered the young man take his family and go home with them because he didn't want the girl to grow up the daughter of a convict. So I'm not really going into his career in the courtroom beyond this because I was crunched for time and it would take up too much time. And quite frankly, I could do an entire wonder segment on this man. Mm -hmm. um, I could also do an entire wonder segment on the 1919 Black Sox scandal. So I'm combining them into two. Maybe I'll break them out in depth one day in the future. But for now... We're going to jump to the Black Sox. If you would like to hear a little bit more of his tenacity in the courtroom, I suggest you give a listen to episode 11, the John D. Rockefeller episode. 
where if you will recall, he was the judge that is notoriously associated with trust-busting Standard Oil. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. So, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk a little bit about the state of baseball right about the turn of the century. So, the period between 1900 and 1919 is also known as the dead ball era. Because, well, the ball well, didn't really fly. Uh, baseball fields were actually much larger than they currently are, and the game was basically dominated by pitchers such as Cy Young, Christy Mathewson, Mordecai Brown, and if you're a longtime listener, you'll recall Rube Waddell. If you're not a longtime listener and you want some more information on the hilarious and tragic life and career of Rube Waddell, check out episode 34 where Megan taught us all about her favorite baseball player of all time ever, period, point blank. Rube Waddell. He is hilariously tragic. Yes, hilariously tragic. Good way to put him. Uh, During this time, owners were reluctant to buy new balls, and fans would be expected to throw back foul balls and the occasional home run. Yes? I'm sorry. I know what you said, but in my head, I heard you say boners. So read that sentence with boners instead of owners. During this time, owners, you want me to say boners? You want me to say owners? No, I, I, you go ahead and say owners. I was just thinking boners buying balls just (laughs) (laughs) broke me for a second. I'm better. During this time, owners were reluctant to buy new balls and fans would be expected to throw back foul balls and the occasional home run. Uh, that would not happen today. Actually, it does happen. They give balls back? Yeah, well, it's not that they give them back. It's more that people, like, you catch the opposing teams, like, go-ahead home run, and in a big game, you'll see people throw them back on the field all the time. Like, I don't want this. Sh- oh, well, yeah. that I understand, yeah. yeah. Um, Where was I? Where's my spot here? Sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. Okay, uh, the balls would also become coated with grass and mud, and would even become lopsided from overuse. Some players would even spit tobacco or licorice juice on the ball to discolor it, making it even harder to see to hit. Gross. Imagine Blech. catching one of those as a fan. It like you ever you ever seen a baseball or a golf ball like run through the grass that's wet and it just oh, like sends up those gr- rooster tails. Gross. Ugh, imagine getting one of those that's like Licorice or tobacco juice spit. Nope. Gross. No. Uh, Also during this time period, the foul strike rule went into effect, which, you know, caused foul balls to be counted as strikes, which further lowered the score of the game. In addition to all that, the two main competing leagues of the time, the National League and American League, merged in 1903 and formed what we know today as Major League Baseball. The National Commission, a committee of three people who oversaw baseball, was formed and made up of a chairperson, the American League president, and the National League president. This commission was to sort out all terms and provisions between the two leagues. Essentially, it was the governing body of the sport. Things were starting to gain some structure, but the legs were still shaky. 
We're going to jump ahead to 1919 now. And the Chicago White Sox are tearing it up. They had several star players of the day. Shoeless Joe Jackson, Chick Gondil, Eddie Chicotti, Lefty Williams. They would go on to win 88 games and be the best in the American League that season, making it to the World Series. At the time, Charles Comiskey owned the White Sox, but he was widely disliked by his players. He was known for underpaying his players, even though they had just won the World Series in 1917, and they were considered one of the best teams at the time. The White Sox also had the third highest bank account in the majors, or payroll, whatever whatever that term is, I forget. Money. Yep. Also, due to the reserve clause, players were not allowed to sign with another team without the permission of their current team, meaning that any decent player was essentially stuck on one team for life. Forever. Forever. There was no free agency to get a bigger and better contract. No way to move to a different team unless you were traded or started to suck. And they said, yeah, go suck for somebody else. During this era, gamblers were easily able to pay off players to throw games in order for the player to make some extra side cash. It is worth noting that Charles Comiskey is was widely disliked by players and is kind of remembered for not paying his players enough and causing this in a way. But I read several things that said, in the grand scheme of things, compared to other team owners, he wasn't doing anything worse than they were. So take that how you will. Several White Sox players were approached by members from the Arnold Rothstein's Gambling Syndicate and agreed to throw the World Series for money. The day of Game 1, rumors swirled that the series had been fixed because of a large influx of money being bet on the Cincinnati Reds, who were the opposing team. In all, eight players were part of the fix. Buck Weaver, Swede Risberg, Chick Gandil, Joe Jackson, Claude Williams, Fred McMullen, Eddie Chicote, 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 and Happy Belch were the eight players. They were all promised progressive payments for each game lost, and upon losing... Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped one detail. The pitcher... Oh, I don't remember which one was the pitcher. I think uh might have been Eddie Chicote. I'm not sure. I don't remember. The signal to the syndicate that they were going to throw the games was to hit the batter in the first game the first batter hit him with the second pitch hit him yep so damn i don't want to be the batter the first pitch was a strike the second pitch hit him square in the back Mm. hey mommy they were all promised progressive payments for each game lost. So essentially, every time they lost the game, they would get, you know, 20% of whatever they were owed. And upon losing games one, two, four, and five and receiving no payments, the players decided that 
after losing game five that they would double cross the gamblers went on to win game six and seven, which tied the series. But in game eight, the gamblers threatened the players and their families if they didn't go through with it. And the Reds ended up winning the series, whether that's from the threats and they threw it or whether the Reds just beat them. I guess that's lost to history. I would like to think that they got so like psyched out that they just didn't play well. They didn't lose on purpose, but the Reds weren't better than them. Like they just were so anxious that that's a, yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting way to think. I think about that's it. what's what happened. Despite persistent rumors throughout the 1920 season, no punishment actually came until September of 1920 when a grand jury was convened to investigate. Eddie Chicot, Chicotti, it's Italian, so it's probably Chicotti. Uh, Eddie Chicotti confessed on September 28th, and despite being in a battle with Cleveland with the Cleveland Indians for first place, Comiskey suspended the seven players that were involved that were still in the major leagues. Chick Gandal chose to play semi-pro ball in 1920 and was no longer part of the major leagues. On October 22nd, 1920, eight players and five gamblers were indicted on charges of conspiracy to defraud. The trial lasted several months and finally went, went to the jury, which acquitted all eight players on August 2nd, 1921. So the jury found that no harm, no foul. Obviously, Major League Baseball wasn't too happy with how this had turned out and how it had tarnished the reputation of the sport, and it had caused the owners to want to make major changes in how the sport was governed. The owners originally wanted to appoint old KML to reform the three-member National Commission. Again, that three-member commission. But like the boss he was, Landis made it very clear that he would only accept if he was the only commissioner and was granted complete and unchecked power over the sport. (laughs) He pretty much said, make me your tyrant. (laughs) I am your leader. Look at me. Look at me. (laughs) I am baseball now. Oh, yep. The owners were so desperate to clean up the game and to keep up a good image that they agreed, giving Kennesaw Mountain Landis unlimited power over the sport and everyone in the major and minor leagues. No man needs that much power. Yet we still have a commissioner of Major League Baseball. Yep. Also, NFL football and NBA basketball. Yep. They followed in the footsteps of the NFL. Or the NFL. The MLB. MLB. I was thinking of the NFL episode I did. And I was wondering if I had covered the commissioner's role at all in that episode. But I think it was, it was more than a long the, time ago. It was more the history of the Super Bowl. It was only February. Yeah. Or January. Somewhere in there. It was a long time ago. It was like half a year ago. It was a long time. The day 
after the acquittal, using his newfound godlike power, Landis issued his own verdict, placing the eight accused players on the ineligible list, making them ineligible to play in the major or minor leagues, any professional baseball. You got to understand, Shoeless Joe Jackson was huge. Oh, yeah. He huge. was huge. Lefty yeah. Williams was big too. Lefty Williams, but Lefty Williams was Lefty Williams one of them? I don't, I don't think Lefty. Uh, yeah, you're right. I said Claude Williams. Lefty was obviously nicknamed. Um, yep, Lefty Williams, and that's why I couldn't think of the picture. I was like, I'm sitting here going, I thought it was Lefty Williams, but I don't see Lefty Williams up there. It's Claude Williams, so his real name was Claude. Um, Landis stated. Regardless of the verdict of juries, no player who throws a ball game, no player who undertakes or promises to throw a ball game, no player who sits in confidence with a bunch of crooked ball players and gamblers, where the ways and means of throwing a game are discussed and does not promptly tell his club about it, will ever play professional baseball. Landis jumped on the task of cracking down on gambling, going so far as to issuing an ultimatum to John McGraw and Charles Stoneham after they partnered to buy a horse racing track in Cuba. Landis told them that they could not be involved in baseball and horse racing, and the two sold the track shortly after buying it. In his career as commissioner, Landis would ban 18 players from playing professional baseball. Shortly after accepting the role of commissioner, Landis began getting criticism for holding both a judicial and baseball position. One congressman called for Landis's impeachment. Interestingly, I noticed it was a Democratic, it was a lame duck Democratic congressman, which means he was already had been replaced and he's calling for the removal of a Republican judge, which I just found interesting because that bickering still goes on today. It's interesting to see what was going on in 1920. Um, the attorney general remarked that there was no legal reason Landis couldn't hold both jobs. A House Judiciary Committee voted 24 to 1 to investigate Landis. However, Landis's son, Reed, would later say, None of the other congressmen wanted Father impeached, but they did want him to come down and defend himself because they knew what a show it would be. <laughs> yeah. I would like to watch that. I would love to see this man in action. He is borderline a hero to he's, me. He's something. I don't I don't know what moniker he should have, but he's something. Judge Landis had one final controversial ruling where he sent home a bank teller who had pled guilty to embezzling almost $100,000. But because he was the sole provider for his widowed mother and unmarried sister, Landis sent him home and accused the bank of underpaying the man. Where is this judge today? <laughs> By the end of 1921, 
Landis felt that he could resign without looking pressured, and on February 18, 1922, he announced his resignation as judge, effective March 1st. This is another good decision. In Landis's final case, he issued two fines, or he issued fines to two theater owners for evading the federal amusement tax. One owner had refused to make restitution before sentencing. He was fined $5,000. The other had tried to make restitution but didn't have enough. He was fined one cent. <laughs> God. This dude is... He is a hero. He punishes the people that deserve to be punished, and he helps out the people. That like Robin help. Hood. He is... Judge Robin Hood. He was a hard ass if you pissed him off and you got on his wrong side. But if he took pity on you and thought you were a good person, you, wow. you, he would do you a solid. So I looked it up, and we're going to assume that the banker, the bank teller that embezzled $100,000, uh, we're going to say it was in 1921? Yeah, it was actually like $96,000. Okay. I rounded up. All right. Well, rounding up and saying it was in 1921 is equivalent to $1,517,854.75. I don't think he got to keep the money. Oh. He just didn't. He was waiting for sentencing. He didn't get jail time. Yeah, he was waiting for sentencing. They took that money. Oh, no. He should have let him keep the money. Yeah, he should have, but, you know. (laughs) He did chastise the bank and say, pay this man more. So that's it. I didn't get too in-depth to either one, but I tied them together. If you go and check out the Rockefeller, excuse me, the Rockefeller episode, you can see how tenacious he could be when you got on his bad side. Judge Landis. Yep. So. Mm. OKML. All right. I've been waiting for you to do this. That was that was good. Yeah. I like I said, I could have I kind of I had two other topics. And just with, with the way everything I abandoned, when I started my computer up and couldn't even pull up the internet without it crashing, yeah. this morning I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. Got to pull out and do something I, at least I can flub through if I don't have notes. <laughs> Little, yeah. Anyway. Trivia with Tyler. What is our Tyler nugget today? Well, I just saw earlier that it's Shark Week. It is Shark Week. And I just happened to have a shark nugget lined up. All right. So. Shark bait. Great white sharks have never been observed mating, and it's unknown where, how, or when they do it. Bullshit. No way. No way. I think I just broke Megan. This is according to uh, news.com.au. Here we go. In light of Shark Week, which kicks off 
on Foxtel from Thursday. I don't know what the hell that means. Some Australian phrase, maybe. We've discovered this remarkable fact with two-time Emmy Award-winning cinematographer and wildlife filmmaker Andy Randy <laughs> Casagrande IV. That's not a real name. Yes, it is. Andy, Andy Brandy, Randy Casagrande IV. Andy Brandy Casagrande IV, claiming in an interview last year that shooting great whites doing the deed would be a huge coup. I don't know what this is. It's from Australia, so I don't know what the hell they mean by it. It would be a huge shot. Wow. The holy grail for most shark filmmakers would be to capture great white shark great white sharks mating. No one's ever witnessed it. There's no video proof or satellite data or anything to show the when, hell? where, and how white shark white sharks mate. Do they what about in captivity? Do they not mate in captivity, I guess? Mm. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, you did break me a little bit. Out of all the animals in the entire world, that that's one we're not sure how it happens. That's weird. We even have trackers on great white sharks. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I was like, huh? When I saw it too, so. That's weird. That's crazy. Wow. My brain hurts. All right. Um, This is be the spot where we do mailbag, but nobody emailed us, so please email us. Sad. Email us. I'm sure at some point, this week, uh, there will be pictures. I guess we should probably take a before picture today. We'll do a before and after picture. Or you maybe, have to. Maybe I'll take a before picture. Set your appointment for like Friday afternoon. Can't happen. Why? Oh my God. It can't be a time where I'm working. All Talk right. Well, you're hearing it here first, folks. I am going to try my damnedest to get an appointment next Monday because Megan's off. Yep. So next week's episode, I will still be bearded. All right. I have to be there to record. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just want a before and after picture, but it's, okay. Okay. it's going to happen, but I have to go with you. We've I, been, I, I've been planning this for I like know. six months, so. I think I know where I want to go to get it done too. So I have there's my barber quick cutting hair, and so I've been to one barber that's done a good job since then. Notice I haven't had it trimmed in so long because my barber quit, and I hate doing it. And I haven't found one that does it good except for one guy. So <laughs> yep, it's coming. Anyway. Final thoughts. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, if you guys, <laughs> are you all right over there? Nay, you go to protect her. Oh, um, you want some water? Was it water or whiskey? Whiskey. Oh. Whiskey went down the wrong pipe, guys. Oh. Well, <laughs> um, just so you guys know, we're not actually muted during the uh during the little drops there. We just don't talk. <laughs> Megan Megan choking on whiskey over there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's hilarious. I want to hear it again. No. Um I'm so sorry. That 
Uh, that hurt a lot. I'm sure. Um. <coughs> wow. Well. Do you need a minute? Yeah, you go oh, ahead. What do right. you think? What do you think? Because I'm well struggling to breathe. I obviously didn't get to drink as much as you did. Uh, one thing I did learn from presenting is I would not shoot this. I would not recommend shooting this. Uh, you might end up like Megan just was. Um, did you try to shoot it? Yep, she tried to shoot it, apparently. That's her excuse. <laughs> <laughs> she just can't swallow. Anyway. That's what she said. Uh, wait, hold on. There we go. There you go. I'm all jacked up. My thing's usually over here, and now it's over here. And it was the furthest button from my hand, and the microphone was in the way, and I had whiskey in this hand. So I was just all over the place. Go check us out on YouTube. That'll make more sense. So. All right. Up until I choked, I was really liking it. Now she hates it. It tried to kill her. <laughs> um, I really, I've really enjoyed this. It's not overpowering in any, any sense. The burn is minty. I like minty burn. Uh, it, like I said, I don't like an overpowering burn, and this one is just a tinge more than I would normally. You know, if I was going to pick the burn level, but it's really close to what I would like, just a smidge more, and I really have enjoyed this. Um, I would not recommend to shoot it. No. No, don't shoot it. Don't inhale it. Do not recommend inhaling. I I don't really have much else to say about this other than other than that. Um, I mean, Tyler, I'm honestly with you. I've enjoyed this whiskey the whole time through. Um, I've really really enjoyed sipping on it. I don't want to mix this with anything. I don't. I don't want to alter this in any way, shape, or form. Other than I don't want to choke on it again. That wasn't very fun. I might would try it chilled. Um, this is, for me, this is something I would definitely have again. Mm -hmm. This is something that I will be having on the porch with a cigar. I'm excited for that moment to come to get a little relaxation. I pro It's the middle of summer right now, and I'm going to... It never fails. I always end up like in the freezing cold temperatures of the winter, trying to smoke <laughs> my cigars on the porch. And it's not happening. I'm going to make it happen here within the next couple of weeks. Usually what keeps me in the summer is the bugs. Mosquitoes tear me up. But Do you not have citronella candles? Or? Uh, no, I actually have uh, thermocells, which are 10 times better than uh, citronella candles. Why don't you turn those on? Truthfully, I just forget I have them. Oh, well, now you know. Yeah, I know. I, I I, mean, I know I have them. I just forget about them. Well, shame. For shame. Um, We're supposed to be talking about this whiskey. And You're I, right. I, I, I liked it. It was nice. I liked every part of it, beginning, middle, end. Um, it was well-balanced. Yes. Like a, like a well-balanced breakfast. <laughs> Nothing was overpowering. Megan's still dying I'm still a little, bit a little choky. I'm That's, a little choky still. Yeah. Um I I genuinely 
I, I wish I had more to say. I don't. It's not a bad thing that I don't have anything to say. I mean, it. Uh, I don't want to say I'm left speechless, but in a way, I'm left speechless. Like it's just, it's, it's. I can see this being old reliable. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I can see this being the one I want in my cabinet, constantly. Yeah, I can see that. It's not going to be something fancy that I necessarily break out, but it's also not going to be something that I'm going to mix. This is just like my go-to. This I can see this being my go-to. Yeah. It's it's quite tasty. Um, I don't remember what the price range was on this. I think it was like thirty or forty dollars. Not bad. Not bad in that mid range, middle tier type price. Um what do you think it wrote rating this one? Um it's definitely above average. I'm trying to debate how high I want to put it. Like thinking the ones I have that are like tens, where is this with those? Yeah, I'm I'm basically doing the same thing. <laughs> I'm I'm I, I know I know my answer. Okay. Because you know me, I can't go super extreme one way or the other. So I'm debating between two numbers, but I think I've settled. I'm gonna go with a seven and a half. Really? Yes. This is old reliable and it's a seven and a half. Well, if you remember, my favorite whiskey from last year, I only ranked a seven and a half or an eight. That's true. Like it's gonna have to like make me shit gold <laughs> to get a ten. I am a lot more generous in my numbers. YOLO. Um The ten is like the unicorn for me. Oh, I give tens way easier than that. Not willy-nilly. I'm a hard-ass teacher. You're a... I'm the fun teacher. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. Um, I mean, this deserves more than a seven and a half. I'm going to go with a nine. It's not one of my tens, but it's it's up there. It's good. You heard it here first, folks. Nine. Seven and a half which for me is basically a nine. <laughs> Tyler speak. Uh, you know what? The hell with it. I'm going to change mine. I'll call it an eight. Okay. All right. I'll give it an eight. Nice even number. I'll take it. Yes. Good. Oh, yeah. I still got me just a little bit left. Don't shoot it. Mm -mm. I would like to try it with... Uh, Just chilled. Mm -hmm. I would like to try it, see if that does anything with that mint flavor since it's already kind of, it's not chilled, but it makes it feel chilled. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to try it chilled. I'd like to try it with a little drop of water or two in there mm -hmm. just to see how it affects the flavor. I guess I could try that. Yeah. I I do think this is Buffalo Trace. Guys, if you are needing a whiskey, you want to go out and get something that you're going to like and it isn't too weird. Um, it's a nice, sweet... Is this a bourbon? It's not even a bourbon. 
It's a Kentucky bourbon. It is a Kentucky bourbon. Oh, boy. So I, I would say uh, this is something that you can go out and get, and you're going to be happy with it, whereas some of our 10s are, or my, my 10s, Tyler's never done a 10. Um, some of my 10s have been a little bit more unique. Um, like my Templeton rye that I really like is a very dill heavy, uh, whiskey that might not be everyone's cup of tea. Um, I might've rated that one pretty high. Let me see what I rated that one. But I'm, uh, so I just tried it with, I put two drops of water. I had just a, just a sip left and I put, um, Two drops of water in it, and it brought the burn down right into the range where I want it, and it made it the sweet last longer. Uh, so Megan, we were talking rye, Templeton rye. You rated it a ten. I rated it a seven and a half. It is amazing what a drop of water can change. Yes, it is. Um, watching your face, I followed suit from my last couple sips, and yeah. Brings the burn down a lot, makes this sweet linger a little bit more. Um, so this probably would be good uh, on the rocks. I've given a couple eights. Okay. I've given an eight and a half. Wow. What was that one for? <laughs> you can guess. American Prairie? <clears throat> no. Nope. We didn't rate that one, remember? Oh, shoot. That's right. Um. Oh, I know what one you're talking about. It's a green bottle, isn't nope. it? No? No. The you Wood, sure? Woodford Reserve Double Oak. I'm looking at it right here. That's on, honestly the Woodford Reserve's probably been my favorite one we've done. That was the first one we did this year. Yes. Because it didn't make it into the competition last what year. What kind of bottle is that? Is that not a green bottle? No, it has a wooden cork. Mm-hmm. Wooden thing. Hmm. Yep. It's a small bottle. Shelby got it for us for Christmas. Yeah, that's right. Yep. I've rated. Uh, let's see. I did the Woodford Reserve was an Woodford Reserve Double Oak was an eight point five. Uh, Woodenville was a seven and a half. Rabbit Hole was an eight. Glenlivet fifteen years was an eight for me. Templeton Rye was a seven and a half. Um, Gowden Carulus. Brewery, Belgian single malt whiskey. I gave it a seven. You gave it a three. <laughs> Sometimes we don't agree. Uncle Nearest, I we both gave it a seven. Yeah, I've given. Hmm. I've given some good ratings. Okay. I just haven't found that unicorn yet. Okay. The unicorn, like that's gonna be for like the two hundred and fifty dollar bottle of whiskey we have in Oh, God. Three or four years. <laughs> That's the 10. If you thought Glenlivet 15 was a 10, what are you going to do when, when it shits all over Glenlivet 15? If we get into the hundreds of dollars bottles, we're probably going to have to have like a special rating system, maybe. So I feel like... We'll do that one as how many stars. <laughs> I give this one three stars. <laughs> Some, something. Like regular people can't afford those or you're right regular people probably shouldn't afford those shouldn't buy those if it's gonna financially stress you yeah 
I can't imagine spending that much on a fifth of alcohol. I can. Yeah, I can. For it, it would have to be like for the right celebration. It would be that would be something for me. Like if I got the promotion I'd been going after for a while, or something like that. That would okay. be for me. That would go. That wouldn't even go in my liquor cabinet. That would go above the fridge where nobody looks. <laughs> That's shit. I shouldn't have said that. Well, now <laughs> we all know to look above your fridge. Good. I've got another spot. Maybe that was a sleight of hand thing. Anyway. All right, guys. I've finished mine. Megan, have you finished yours? Yes, I finished mine. I'm sticking with my nine. Um, and I'm sticking with my eight. I like to leave myself a little bit of room because there might be something better out there. There might be. Don't choke on it. I'm yeah. still, I still have that little like. You want? <laughs> <laughs> you just, you keep making them happen. Every week I make a weird ass noise <laughs> and it becomes our sound. If you're watching on YouTube and you don't know what that is. Check it out on the actual podcast. Go listen until the very, 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 very end, and then listen a little bit longer. Yes. That's the one benefit of listening as a podcast. Instead of watching on YouTube. Can't add it on the YouTube. Sorry. I've tried. There ain't no way to do it. So you get you a little special something on the podcast and not on the YouTube. But on the YouTube, you get the video. So you yeah. see us. All right, guys. Um, well, I feel like I need to go cough some more, so we're going to get out of here. Um, remember to check out our website, whiskeyandwonder.com. That is all spelled out, W-H-I-S-K-E-Y and wonder. You can find that in the show notes or it's on the screen right here. I'm circling it, but you can't see that. I'm circling it with my mouse. Yeah, that doesn't help. No. Um, anyway. Please go vote on that poll. Me and Tyler are very interested what you guys think. Um, and that would condense our random ramblings that we do like right now uh, into that one segment. Um, so, yeah, let us know if you wanted to do it. If you want us to keep it the way it is, keep us posted. Email us, contact at whiskeyandwonder.com. Um, that being said, guys, I am thinking that that is the end for this week. We will see you all next week. Have a fantastic week. Um, thank you guys so much as always. Don't drink a drive. Cheers.